Amen. It's good to good to be in God's presence. What a what a peace. Um, you know, now that we've kind of laid the things that are on our hearts before the Lord, we're going to show you something that shows you what's on God's heart. And uh, if you remember, it's been a number of months. It may be about a year ago. Um, we talked about the uh, the teddy bear project, and uh, that's through Foursquare Missions Press. That's the the loose change offering we did. Um, it's part of the the ministry that they were doing, and they were reaching out to the uh, the street kids in Egypt. And we were at convention, and uh, did you want to say anything? Okay, um, we were at convention. And the associate uh, director of Foursquare Missions Press stood up and gave the testimony about what happened. And so we have that on video. And so, you know, get your heart ready. Um, you'll see there's just a small mention of something that we didn't want the little kids to maybe ask questions about. If you think it's appropriate for your kid and you want to show it to him later, we will send out the link. Um, and, but we just just to make sure there's no questions uh, with a six-year-old or something uh, that we're not ready to answer yet. But uh, let's take a look at this, and, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So I was in Egypt on a hot, uh, sunny afternoon, which is any afternoon in Egypt. And we were coming out of a restaurant. We had been visiting uh, churches and believers. And we were there with some partner ministries and visiting local church pastors there in Egypt. And, and we were walking out of a restaurant. And we're coming down, heading towards the car and just talking. And a, a group of street children approached us. They were a group of young girls, about five, six years old. And they came up, and, and having been a guy who travels a little bit, I, I figured they were uh, going to be asking for money. And uh, the, the little girls come bounding up, and they hold their hands out, and I love little hobbits, they're all cute. And, and I, I look down, and any time, it's, it's little kids, I, I, I'm like, do you take Amex? I just take my money. And, and, and I go to my wallet, because I'm going to give them some money, and, and my host looks at me and is like, uh-uh. And I was like, that seems a little mean. Um, but you live here, I don't. I'm going to submit and I'm going to obey. To, you know what's going on. And so I said, I'm so sorry. And I started moving to my car. And the little girl grabbed my arm. She's five, six years old. Grabs my arm and I turn back and I look at her. And she's looking up, with, up at me with this very strange piercing gaze. And she begins pouting her lips. And I, I had, it didn't. It didn't even cross my mind what was actually happening. I just thought, it's a weird look that I've never seen before on a five-year-old. And so I continued to move and I looked back uh, because she was now pulling on my jacket sleeve real hard. And I, I looked back and I said, oh, I've got to go. And as I looked back to say, I've got to go, she began to undress herself on broad daylight in the middle of the street. And the six or eight young girls who were with her 
all begin to undress themselves on the street. And I, I looked around and I said, somebody else has got to see, I can't, this, this is terrible. And I look off in the distance and about two, three hundred yards away, I see a middle-aged man intently watching over the whole situation like a ring race from Lord of the Rings. And I'm just furious. And my host says, get in the car now. And I get in the car and I'm sitting there and I'm stunned and I'm angry and I feel dirty and I'm just mad and I'm talking to God and it's not pleasant. And, and, and I ask him, I ha we, have, we have to do something. We have to do something and I don't know what to do. And I'm rarely a person who doesn't have at least some idea of something to do. And I was completely without idea. And he, I just heard the simple words back to me that said, teddy bears. And I thought, teddy bears? No, that cannot be the Lord. Um, and, I, and, I, and again, I heard it. I heard, teddy bears. And so we pull up to a light and, and the kids are coming up and because we won't roll down the windows, they start screaming at us what I assume were Arabic um, sayings of friendship and blessing. Um, and the car goes again and they're literally moving kids out of the way with just the slow idle of the car to get going again. And, I'm, and again, I hear teddy bears. And I said, okay, Lord, if this is you, I think it's silly. And then I realized who I was talking to. And I said, I'm sorry. And I said, so what do we do? What do we do? Are we, do, do how, does, how does teddy bears help childhood prostitution? And I heard audibly from the Lord in that moment, I love that little girl. And she's my daughter. And if I say she needs a teddy bear, will you be obedient? <sighs> yes, I will be obedient. But... Do we ship teddy bears? What do we do? I go to sleep. I get up. The Lord says, you're going to print pictures of teddy bears. And on the inside, it's going to talk about a love that doesn't need anything from them. You're going to, it's going to talk about a love that doesn't hurt their bodies, that isn't uh, transactional. And he goes, because we can't talk about the gospel. We can't be open about who Jesus is and what he does. But we can simply say, there is a love it's bigger and better than anything you've ever experienced. So I said, okay, there's probably several hundred of these kinds of children throughout Cairo. And so I, I meet with our host and he says, because of the Arab Spring, there are 3.5 million children under the age of 10 who have been cast out of their homes because of hunger um, and, and lack of basic services. So there's 3.5 million children in Cairo who are homeless. And I went, we got to start printing money at the press. That's what we got to do. And the Lord says, no, just be obedient. So I go to our, our host and I say, okay, is this even going to work? How's this? He says, if we don't talk about the gospel and we talk about where they can find out more about it, we can get them to our churches around the city of Cairo. I said, okay. So we go home, we, 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 we print the, the, the card and it's got a teddy bear and it's written in the right kind of Arabic and it, and it looks appropriate and we ship it back and everything, all the security goes up and he says, let's get them to one place and let's, let's share the gospel in one place and it's got to be a hall that we can rent so that we can leave it and there can't be a real whole trace on this whole deal. And so we said, okay, so the press mobilizes, we get going, the, the cards get printed, they're shipped over there, miracle after miracle happened, and I get a little team of people who are willing to go into Egypt, 
uh, right after the news of some executions that had taken place at the pyramids comes out. And I said, you guys still want to go? And so we load up, we get on a plane, we land in Egypt, and they come up to us and our host greet us. He said, we're so excited. The response has been amazing. I said, I thought we were getting ready to pass out the cards. He said, no, we've been canvassing for weeks, passing out these cards. We've got the date. We need a bigger hall, so we need more money. And I was like, okay, I will figure that out. And so I called Bob and asked for more money. Um, <laughs> Bob, the kids need more money. You going to say no? <laughs> he did not. We had a bigger hall. The game was on. We're going to do a full-on children's gospel box rally in Egypt in the middle of a Muslim neighborhood. And we're going to share the love of Jesus. Hundreds of thousands of these cards have gone out. They've never done anything for kids before, ever in the history of, of the country, because children are seen and not heard, and it's just not culturally what they thought of. But the Lord thought of them. And so all the churches begin to come together, and where they've been secretive and divided and, and, and set apart, even the Coptic churches begin to come together, and this huge event takes place, and they come by the thousands, the orphanages hear about it, the secular and the Muslim orphanages hear about it, and say, we'll wash them. We'll give them fresh clothes, we'll cut their hair, we'll comb the lice out of them. And we'll feed them, and then we'll get them to this place. So they came, and this happened. Dumbfounded, and I was the one who took the video of that little girl reaching her hand up to Jesus. I said, so what do we do? We've told them about a love that doesn't hurt their body, but they got to go back out to the reality. And the pastor looks over after he says, this is all your fault. And he says, the churches have come together. We're going to appoint nightlights is what we're calling them. And they're going to be men and women in our underground churches who are going to open the courtyards of our office buildings and our churches at night. And we're going to go out into the city we're going to get the little kids and bring them in at night so that they're safe from predators. And the churches began to work together. And they, they asked us, the Coptic priest comes up, the, the, the Methodists, the, the, all these different denominations, they come up and they said, who are these people who would come and pay and do this for our kids? And our host said, this is Foursquare. This is who we are, dedicated to the cause of interdenominational evangelism. It's who we are. I sat back totally overcome. And I asked the Lord, how did you do this? And he said, remember two things. He said, Shane, you remember Solomon. He asked for something good, he asked for wisdom. He asked for the wisdom to, to lead the people well. And he said he had every resource and he had every strategy. But his son, his legacy, saw the kingdom divided. He said, and you remember David. He had no resources. He didn't have strategy, wasn't even invited to the party. And his legacy and his son saw the temple built. What's the difference? 
Solomon asked for wisdom, which was great. But David said, this one thing do I ask, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze upon the beauty of his countenance. David asked for presence. And it changed the world. All we have to be is obedient. That was his word to me. And teddy bears were my obedience commission. And that's what I came to say. I don't mess you up, huh? Oh, gosh. I've seen, I was there live. I've seen it. I saw it last night. <laughs> and I've seen it today. And it still just, just messes with you. And so, and God has all kinds of things going on all over the place that we don't know about. <laughs> and, uh, we did get to be a small part of that. I know we took, like, I think we took an offering or something for that and, and let you know about that. But that was just an amazing uh, report of, you know, and just the heart behind it, too. I just really appreciate the heart of of uh, the gentleman I'd never seen before named Shane Jackson and uh, just his heart for, for the Lord and for people. And uh, so so be be listening for those voices. Be listening for those those opportunities. Uh, they won't always be that dramatic, you know, it doesn't have to end up to be this dramatic thing, although it's, if it does, hey, <laughs> that's awesome too. Uh, but it was just his heart being open to God speaking to him and his heart being open to what, uh, the Holy Spirit was moving in him. You know, we don't have to do it all. We just have to do what God has called us to do. And so his thing was like, his thing was teddy bears. And so the other thing, too, about hearing God is sometimes those things that don't sound like God might be God. You know, when you hear a word, you're like, a thought, where did that come from? God, is that you? He'll, he'll confirm. He'll let you know. He'll keep saying it over and over again <laughs> until, until you get it. And so be listening for his voice. And uh, we'll see some amazing things happen. Um, you know, God values every single person on this earth. And He's watching out for every single one of them. And sometimes He just needs someone who's available that says, Here I am, send me. I want us to read just a quick scripture from 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you want to turn to 1 Peter 1. That was part of the message, by the way, if you didn't get it. The video was part of the message. That was a good one. Hopefully this one will be able to follow that one. Maybe I should have shown that last. <laughs> First Peter chapter 1. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word of God as we read it. It says, verse 18, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, 
but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. And so I want to go back and, and really key on one, one phrase in, in this passage of Scripture, and it's, and it's this, that you were redeemed and you were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You know, the value of something is determined by what somebody will pay for it. I mean, that's how economy works. That's how our economy works, by the way. Uh, if I come out with a new product and I try to sell it and uh, nobody is buying it because it costs too much, it means they don't see the value in that product. They're not willing to pay for it. Um, you know, back when cell phones first came out, there's some people that were saying, oh, no, 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 everybody's not going to, you know, no one's going to pay for that. You know, I mean, there's been things that people have said all the time, oh, no one's going to pay for that. And now they can charge a whole lot of money for a cell phone, right? And people are like, I have to have that one. I got to have the new one, whatever the new one is. I'm not going to get into which which version you use or whatever, but you, you got the new, why? Because it's you think it's valuable, it's valuable enough for you to pay for it. And it's the same with Jesus. When he looked at you, he decided your value. And he said, you are worth the blood of my son. That's a lot of value. That's a huge value iPhone got nothing on that. Apple, <clears throat> sorry, drop in the bucket. Microsoft, <clears throat> no. Walmart, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I didn't think they were on that level, so sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever worth, whatever, you know, amazing, you know, corporation, I don't even know what the highest valued corporation is is in our in our world, but the worth, the total worth of the highest value of any corporation, is not as high as the blood of Jesus. And so when I think of you know when I start to devalue myself, when I start to talk to myself and move myself down in value, when I start to speak negatively to myself, when I start to criticize myself, uh, when I start to be discouraged and, and enter into depression and, and speak over my life, or when I do that over someone else, I am devaluing what God says is infinitely valuable. He was watching this... Uh, watching this one show and there's a there's a hero in it and and the hero saves this guy and uh you know he's he's trying he wants to make up for being saved you know there's a superhero that saves him and so he's he's like well I, I got to you know I got to I got to do something 
I, I, I got to make it worth it. You know, my, my life was spared. You know, he, he saved my life. And so I got to I got to I got to do something to 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 make it worth it. And see, it doesn't work that way with God. We don't have to prove with our lives that we were worth saving. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to earn our way. Once, once God gives us the gift of salvation, we don't have to earn our way and say, well, I've got to be a good person. I've got to be really, really great because, because of what Jesus did. No, that's, that's not the way it works because Jesus already said I'm valuable. I don't have to make myself valuable anymore. I don't have to do something to, to create value in myself. I have value in and of myself. And I don't have to prove to everyone else that I am worth saving because Jesus by the fa- has already proved and the Father has already proved by sending His Son, hey, you are valuable. You know, and in this, in this, in this TV show... Uh, the guy starts going through his past. He says, well, man, I, I did this, I did that, I did this, and I've done that, and I've been this, and I've been that. And you know, sometimes we, we come to God and we're, we're doing the same thing. Man, God, I've done this, I've done that. Don't you remember when I did this and I've done that? I've been this and I've been that. And you know what, you know what God says? I don't remember that. You know, that's a really huge truth that God actually forgets our sins somehow. He says, I'll remember your sins and your wickedness no more. I mean, I'm glad of that. Hey, people don't forget. Human beings, we we may not forget. But God has said, you know what? I'm going to forget. It's going to be just like it never even happened. And that changes my perspective to where I'm not, I'm not living to prove my worth. I am living well because I am worth. There's a big difference. One is performance. The other is just an overflow. It's just going to happen. When you know you're worth something, you don't, you're not, not trying to prove it. You're valuable, and so you act like someone who's valuable. You live like someone who is valuable. So if I have value, if Jesus says my life is valuable, that means my life for someone else has value. I have value in this life because he has established that value, and now I can be a blessing to someone else. But it's based out of my understanding of who I am and that I am worth the blood of Jesus. And so when I find myself being devalued, whether that's by my circumstance, whether that's by somebody else, whether that's by voices in my head, whether that's by, you know, the devil or one of his demons showing up and whispering things in my ear, I need to come back to this scripture and say, no. I was bought with something that's imperishable, something greater than silver or gold, the precious blood of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians uh, 6.20, it says, you know, that we were bought with a price. And therefore, honor God with your body. In other words, because I'm valuable, I'm going to honor him. I'm not going to prove my value to him. I'm going to do it because I am valued by him. You know, it's the blood of Jesus that shows how valuable we are. One more scripture. I want to read this. It says this. Uh, Ephesians 2 and verse 3. 
It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who, who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You know, sometimes we still kind of see ourselves as outsiders in the family of God. But this scripture says, no, you're on the inside. It's not like you just got in, you know, and God says, okay, you're the outskirts of heaven. You're, you're going to get in the gate, but that's it. <laughs> you're you're going to be on the outside looking in. No, it says, hey, I can go to the inside. I can draw near to God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That I, I don't have to be far away. I can be close. I don't have to be an outsider. I can be family. I don't have to live like, a, like an orphan, one who's rejected and unwanted. I'm accepted as a son and daughter of the king. I have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You know, it changes my perspective on me, but it also changes my perspective on somebody else. That if Jesus valued me that much, but he also valued you that much. So when I find myself looking at someone else and I begin to devalue them, I need to take a step back and say, no, that person, the Father says that person is worth the blood of Jesus, the holy blood of Jesus. Wow. That changes my view of others, or it, or it, or it could. <laughs> Maybe it should. It can. It's possible. You know, I, I didn't even read too much about what all the craziness that happened yesterday. I do know what happened, and... Uh, I do know that God was was grieved because, you know, you've got groups of people that are devaluing other groups of people. And that happens. It happens by race. It happens by ethnic groups sometimes, nationality. Uh, It can happen by social status. It can happen by just the way we look, you know. You can see someone and go... Oh, man. You know, I don't know what people who see me and go, Oh, man. (laughs) There's probably someone that does. (laughs) What's up with that guy? But I don't want to look at someone else and devalue them when Jesus has said, You're worth the blood. You're worth my own blood. When the Father said, you're worth the blood of my only Son. There is intrinsic value in every single person, in every single human being. And it's the the enemy that wants to divide us. The enemy wants us to to put categories on people and and bring separation and have people pointing fingers and and usually when when I when someone else is devaluing someone else is because they don't feel valued, they're having to try to move themselves up to make themselves they they feel like they've been torn down so they're gonna they're gonna put themselves up whatever that is it can be race it can be it can be social status it can be economic status it can be whatever it is it can be the uh, job status whatever it may be. But I need to see myself first as one valued by the king. 
And then I can see everybody else as valuable too. And so I don't know if there's anybody in here. Maybe it's just for one person. Maybe there's several of us that have... That have that have struggled with this recently, and, you, and you're trying to you're you're trying to make it make it back up to God, and and God just wants to say to you today, you don't have to make up anything to me. We're saved by grace through faith. In other words, we trust that Jesus was sufficient, that He was enough, that what He did, all our job is to is to to look to Him, just as John was saying earlier. You know, communion brings us back and reminds us of who Jesus is and what He's done, and we're we're, we're to keep our gaze upon Him like our spiritual eyes, where we're just we're just looking at Him, and it's it's amazing, it's it's awesome. You know, when when my gaze is on on Him, it's it's like I'm I feel value, I am empowered, I I I see people the way I should see them, I speak to people the way I should speak to them, I listen to them the the way I should listen to them, because my eyes are on Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's, he's the perfecter of my faith. He's the one who's, who's going to do it all. It's when I get my eyes off, off of him that, that things get crazy, right? I, I get crazy thoughts about myself. I get crazy thoughts about other people. I get crazy ideas of what I'm going to do. I get crazy words come out of my mouth. And so I want to keep my eyes upon him because it's on him that I see how things really are in life. And so I'm, I'm so glad also as well that God has his eye on every single person. And the video we watched, a great testimony that, you know, God has, has a, such a huge heart. And there's people all over that we don't know about. We heard a story about little girls in Egypt. You know, and there's there's little girls in other countries. There's little boys. There's big boys and big girls who are facing things where they don't know that they're valuable. And so there's times where God might lay a nation on your heart. Where God, you know, get a get a world map somewhere where you can see it. Get a globe. Spin it around. Look at the names of the nations. You know, that way you can have it in your head where God says, hey, I want you to pray for that country today. Pray for those who are being devalued for whatever reason. Those who are being used and exploited. Those who are, who are, who are down and out, who are, who are barely making it. Pray for them. Who knows? Your prayer may be something where you're praying for someone and they show up and and uh, God touches their heart, and you're praying for them right at that moment. Man, don't you think there was somebody praying for Shane Jackson? There was somebody praying for him. Oh, God, make him, make him sensitive to you. Make him, make him open to you. Make him hear your voice, God. Let him, let him as he's traveling on, the, on this trip. I mean, he doesn't live in Egypt. He was there visiting on a, on a mission. And, and God touched his heart so much that there was 600 boys and girls that were rescued. There was churches that were brought together to begin to work together to see their city to see what was going on. You know, sometimes as the church, we don't see what's going on in our city, and then we don't know, that can't happen here. You know, there's things in our city that don't need to be happening, that God wants to touch our hearts 
with and to open our eyes to and say, hey, I, I don't want this happening in my city. Do something. And then all you have to do is you don't have to do it all. You just say, God, what do I do? <laughs> and then listen and see what he says. So, Father, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you. You've reminded us of many different messages. You've given us so much, so many nuggets of truth. You've met us in worship, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, if there's anybody in here who's feeling like they're not valuable, Lord, I pray right now for an opening of their eyes, a revelation in their spirits of how much you value each and every one of us. Make it real in our hearts, God, that we'll, we'll stop acting like we're, we're orphans, Lord. We'll stop acting like we're less important, Lord. We'll, we'll start acting like, like the ones that you died for, the ones that you paid the price for. And, Lord, I just pray for, Lord, just, just the, the message that was given to us through this through this. Uh, Lord, encounter with you really in Egypt. That you would just keep our hearts sensitive. Lord, this is an extreme thing. Lord, it, and we can say, oh man, it was so easy to tell that that was wrong. But Lord, sometimes there's things around us that, that aren't as extreme, but they're just as wrong. And our hearts aren't open to hear what, you, what your heart is. And so just, just tenderize our hearts. God, make us sensitive to you. Holy Spirit, come and, and, and move upon us that we might not miss any opportunity, whether it's small or large. Lord, we don't want to miss any opportunity that you're given to us to share the love of Jesus. Help us see our city like you see it, God, that if there's something you need us to, to focus on, Lord, I thank you for the different things you've highlighted in the past for us, Lord, that you... You highlighted family homelessness for us and, and we got involved in family promise. Lord, we, we did what we could do and we're continuing to do what we can do. God, there's, there's other opportunities, Lord, maybe that we're not seeing. We just invite you to open our hearts. Maybe it's just for our family, Lord, where we do something as a family or uh, maybe it's a, a groups of us in this church, God. Maybe it's with your neighbors, Lord. We get something going in our neighborhood. Who knows? You've got all kinds of ideas, Lord. We just need to have ears to hear. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're done. Be blessed. If you want prayer for anything, please don't get out of here without coming up here or grabbing somebody next to you. And uh, we will see you all later this week.